My name is Haley Winter. You're listening to How's the Pressure, a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes in the world of massage. Hey, hey everybody. Uh, welcome back to another episode of How's the Pressure. I am your host, Haley Winter. And this episode, in honor of Pride Month, I'll be speaking with Sparkle Thornton. Now, Sparkle is a massage therapist and a yoga instructor in the San Francisco Bay Area, and she hosts an annual retreat for trans and queer folk. The event is called Yoga. Fun little wordplay there. And the main reason I initially wanted to bring Sparkle in to talk with me was because I wanted to have a conversation that made me uncomfortable. Now, I know that sounds a little weird, but let me explain. So, for a while, I've been aware that I've begun avoiding the use of pronouns around people when I didn't feel confident being able to discern their gender identity one way or the other. Basically, I didn't want to offend anyone, so I began to modify my speech to avoid the whole issue. Now, the problem with avoiding something is that it continues to nag at you until you deal with it. And I found myself not fully enjoying my conversations with people in the trans community, and it was nobody's fault but my own. So I brought Sparkle in to talk about pronouns and how I as an individual and we as therapists can get more comfortable with the vocabulary. Now you might say, it's not that often when you would use a pronoun when talking to a client. And yes, that's true, and Sparkle does bring up that point. However, there are occasions when you're introducing your client, either to another healthcare practitioner or even another person in your waiting room. And on top of that, the main goal is to gain comfort and confidence in creating a safe space for the people who come into your massage room. So working on the skills and comfort with the terminology is a good place to start. So I brought in Sparkle to talk about pronouns and how to get comfortable with them. And two of the best things about confronting something you're scared of is that, one, you usually find out it's not as hard as you think it's going to be. And two, it has the possibility of opening up other doors that you didn't even think about. Now, for this conversation between Sparkle and I, that door was how to be an ally. And I won't spoil any more of the conversation, but I hope you listen until the end, because that's where the juiciest stuff resides. Without further ado, I give you my conversation with Sparkle Thornton. So welcome, Sparkle. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I've I've been feeling this conversation coming for a long time. That's awesome. Uh, obviously, the you know, the political climate and a lot of the stuff that's going on uh, with our country and globally um, brings this point to a little bit of a head. But I I also think it's really pertinent for massage therapists, you know, in the field practicing and how we work and address with our clients. And so I thought it would be really important to bring you in. And I also want to preface this because I know it it can be easy to feel like you're on the spot and like speaking for everyone when Mm. having conversations like this. And I do not want to put that on you. Yeah. So know that the reason to have you in this room is so that 
the conversation can happen with someone who's intimately involved with it, not so that you necessarily are speaking for everyone. And I know that. It's just yeah. you can't have a conversation about, like, let's say, abortion and not have any women in the room. Of course. So, yeah. so it's, it's about inclusion and about having the conversation, not about um, putting you on a pedestal or oh, um, of anything like that. Okay? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, in a way, it's like a pre-conversation or maybe a conversation that starts other conversations, hopefully many more. Exactly, and that's, yeah. that, is, that is the point here. I, I, every time I bring up an episode, that it is the beginning of a conversation, and just because I talk about a subject once does not mean that the conversation is over. Of course. So um, let's get this started. Let's do it. All right, so uh, my first question is, how do you identify? Hmm. Um, I identify by my name, Sparkle Thornton. Mm-hmm. I also identify as my gender identity, which is what I, I guess there's, how do I identify as even like a, like multidimensional question? It is. It's a little um, broad. Yeah. It's a little broad, but it's good. I identify as female. I also identify as trans. My experience has been like being assigned male at birth, but identifying as female starting from the age of five, I think, and um, like having this whole journey with gender and um, also identify as queer. So that's more of like a sexual sex, sexual orientation identity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's interesting. I, I, I realized that when I asked that question, I kind of intentionally left it a little bit broad. So yeah. Is, how do you identify? Because right. it's scary to me to... To, to reach in and, and, and ask a very specific question, like how do you identify your gender? Yeah. And that feels scary for me to ask. And so I put it in a very broad context. Yeah. But knowing the theme of what we're talking about, I kind of knew at least to hit on that. Yes. Well, I mean, that, that's the thing. We're here to have right. that conversation. Even still, I have a little anxiety asking about that, which is, of course, the reason why we need to have this conversation. Yeah. So, Sounds like the conversation is needed just yeah. between just in the, the two of us in this room. Of course, I mean part yeah. of, part of the whole exercise of this podcast is to educate myself in general. For so, sure. Um, so, being trans, mm-hmm. what's like one of the best experiences you have had in your life that you can attribute to the fact that you are transsexual? Uh, the best experiences, you know, I think to be honest, I think one thing that has really been a valuable experience is having developing compassion and empathy for other people and other people of marginalized experience because I also have that Mm. experience Mm. because I also have like a, a marginalized experience in terms of the you know, society, American culture right now at this time, and especially like a lot less so now, there's been a lot of progress that's happened with trans rights and trans um, advocacy over the past probably five years. And that and that wave of progress initially and in, in a really big way started with the internet happening but I, I mean, I, I'm 36 now, so I remember struggling with my gender identity before the internet, and yeah, and and there's so much isolation hmm. um, when that's your experience. So I think that 
I think the most valuable thing would be to just kind of like have be in this kind of like to come from struggle in a way. Mm-hmm. It's it's um it sounds like empathy. Yeah, really. like empathy. It's one of the hardest blessings. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a quote from a friend of mine. Okay. Yeah. Oh. One of the hardest blessings to be trans. And I suppose this is the other side of the same comment, which is what are some of the, the negative experiences, the more common negative experiences you have? Negative experiences. I mean, everything from like healthcare access, mental healthcare access, um, having role models, you know, having like things modeled to me as mm-hmm. I'm, even as I'm still growing up, you know? Mm-hmm. When you when you mean healthcare access and mental healthcare access, yeah. what specifically are the the resistances or the blockages that you face? Well, I, I think like so when I when I first kind of like found out about being transgender, or and even you mentioned the word transsexual, which is kind of like an earlier. I mean, some people still use it, but uh-huh. transgender is I think even more of a broad thing. They're, I mean, I identify with both of them. Okay. Parts of both of them. Um, but I remember, like, when I first kind of, like, found out about being trans, and when I say trans, I, I'm referring to either. Yeah. When I found out about being trans, I remember reading reading about gender identity dysphoria in the DSM, which is, um, like, patho- pathologizing mental health kind of like glossary in a way, if you're unfamiliar. And I may even be describing that wrong, but mm-hmm. it's like, um, it's a book where things are kind of like categorized as there's something wrong with you, basically. Mm-hmm. And homosexuality was in the DSM. Uh, gender identity, dysphoria, trans stuff is maybe still in the DSM. I'm not sure. Um, but there's lots of different stuff that's in there lumped in with other mental health category categories, other types of mental illness, basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that was hard. Yeah. Um, and that kind of like was an indication of what the broader experience, uh, is like growing up and coming to terms with being trans is, is coming to terms in a world that pathologizes your identity. Mm. So that's hard, you know? Yeah. And that feels... That's I a mean, struggle. It's a consistent thing. It can be just in the way things are worded or the doors that are opened. Totally. Yeah. Um, that and dating is hard and weird. Yeah. Um, accessing, like, massage therapy. Going through massage school was a right. struggle for and- me. It's interesting. Now that you're saying this, it, I realize so much of this is solved by the internet and that yeah. there, there, there becomes a platform that allows you to access without having to explain it to a group of people to figure out where you fit. Yeah. The hugest thing was the internet creating this place where anyone who had this experience and it, you know, not just about being trans, but people with common experience can get together in the same place on the internet and and talk and support each other. So getting to hear like, oh my God, there's so many other people who deal with the same thing 
And maybe we can all help each other realize that there's nothing wrong with us, even though the world is telling us there is, mm-hmm. because we're not because we're mostly isolated, because there's just it's not that big of a population. That it's easy and accessible to find other trans people wherever you are. And when I came out, I was like living in rural North Carolina, which is where I'm from. So I'm curious if you feel like your massage practice has been influenced or helped by that empathy. And if so, to what degree? Of course. So in general, you know, the experience of being, my experience of being trans, I feel, has taught me how to empathize with mostly around like culturally marginalized experiences like people of color, queer people, transgender people, um, bigger bodies, fat identified people. And there's so many more, but so your ability to extend empathy to, towards that towards group other groups of people has really, you think helped your practice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think that in terms of as a queer person, As a trans person, I think that people who share those identities with me, there's like kind of like a baseline we get each other before we even work together, before we're even maybe in the same room, before we're even like in a body work session together. And I think that that it's like that door opens because we already have this like common life experience yeah well there's also a vulnerability there right you're sharing a vulnerability that is not necessarily supported by the outside world and that 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 initiates a bond of trust yeah for sure yeah Yeah. i'm kind of i'm kind of questioning the vulnerability thing i think it's Mm. um because i i don't know i guess i guess on some level there is a vulnerability uh, for me to come forward with like having my identity out there. I think maybe that's the initial open door on vulnerability and then other people and then other people may like hear or find out about me and relate or feel like, you know, they identify, find out that they ident- we have some common identities. Mm-hmm. And then go, oh, Sparkle might be like a great person for me to work with as a body worker. Right. So that may already be on the table. Is yeah. Why it may not be such a kind of a, a step in that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And okay. that, that goes into just like the way that I present myself and market myself and yeah. that kind of thing. So what, what percentage of your population of massage clients do you think are of the marginalized? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, there's so many. It's so intersectional in terms of like the percentage of my clients that are marginalized, I can say that, I mean, I guess in terms of like the clients that I see, cause my practice is built of like kind of like serving many different communities, but in terms of the people that I see for body work at my house, most of those people are either trans, queer, gender, queer people that I know through the community also, but there's some overlap there, like yoga community. A lot of those people come to see me and, mm-hmm. and if they're queer, I don't have like an intake form, a formal intake form. And, um, I don't ask people what their gender identity is or their sexual orientation. So, so th- this brings me to a question. Yeah, if it's you, great. If you don't, if you don't ask yeah. on your intake, 
and you want to refer to them, but you're not sure how to refer to them. Mm-hmm. What, what's your what's your what's your methodology? What's your strategy? So you mean specifically? I'm guessing that you mean specifically like pronoun preference. Pronoun preference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if I read them as maybe being someone who's trans, queer, gender queer, gender nonconforming, anything other than like cisgendered, straight per well. If I if I read them as having like a non I guess like a non normative gender identity, mm-hmm. then a great and easy question to ask, what's your pronoun preference? And I think that one of the things that I'd like to kinda of like put on record in terms of like how to do that mm. is if you're if you're asking the question, it's really valuable and also just kinda of like creates a more even power dynamic if you offer your own gender if you offer your own pronoun preference first for example my pronoun preference is she and her what's yours Mm. as opposed to someone walks into your office and you say hey what's your pronoun preference be kind of like asking for someone's name but not offering your own uh uh uh-huh if you think of it that way like hey what's your name yeah and then I tell you my name, but then I don't even know your name, and now I'm on your table. Like that's that's a little funky. Yes. yes. So so getting that getting that clear, and you know, and the sexual orientation piece, like the fact that I identify as queer, like I'm happy to talk about it. It's not really uh, relevant. It's not relevant in the in the massage context. No. 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 This this is this conversation is primarily around centering around the thing that we need, which is the pronoun. Yeah. And the strategies around the pronoun. Uh, the conversation of, of the sexual identity piece, I think, is is important in that we have to learn how to be comfortable and have conversations around that as well. Right. But I don't think it has necessarily the, the, the same application totally. that the pronouns do for yeah. us. So this is interesting because we have this conversation, and I, I know that – and it, it's come up for me a couple times when having this conversation with you. There's a yeah. little anxiety yeah. because of not necessarily feeling like the, the tool belt – is ready is, is ready use. is honed for use yeah <laughs> yeah so it's useful to hear okay so you lead with your own yeah right? totally so you lead say i you know I, I i prefer the pronouns i prefer are he and him mm-hmm. and what pronouns do you prefer yeah and then i could say thanks for asking Haley. yeah and i the 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 greatest thing about that, the greatest thing about the way that you did that just then mm-hmm. is that i know that you've done a little kind of like homework in a way mm. or that you've had a conversation about this before mm-hmm. that you're that you're coming at it from like a respectful place of like let me let me like learn someone else's language even in the most simple way it's kind of like you know it's like yes. going yes. to a foreign country and then refusing to speak their language kind of thing right but all you have to learn is hello and thank you and you're in the door yeah and i think that's that's very useful and helpful to know is that it can feel scary that like the whole language is out there and they don't know anything but just having a small piece to reach forward with, exactly. even, if it, even if it's just, just to initiate the conversation, I think buys a whole lot of slack and takes the anxiety off totally. on my side of the conversation Yeah, because whenever we get anxious, our brain just shuts down. Like I've, I've had the experience where I feel like I've made a misstep and then I just start digging the hole and it gets deeper and deeper <laughs> and deeper and all I want to do is make it right. Of course. And that's the only thing I can't do. Right. That's such so powerful to be able to just come forward with that because, and that is something that 
will continue to happen, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I feel that will continue to happen to me, and I have a large amount of life experience being trans. That doesn't make me, like, an impeccable trans ally. And the yeah. thing is, you know, the conversation that we're having really is how to be an ally. Mm-hmm. And we're we're honing in in terms of, for the audience of, like, massage therapists, how to be an ally for trans and gender nonconforming people while you're serving them doing body work. Mm-hmm. Um, saying, like, I'm I'm working on being the best ally I can be. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. and and this goes down to in terms of like massage therapy or really any anything where you're serving people healing modalities or like alternative healthcare options having something on your website or having something on your intake form that says I'm working on being the best ally I can be to trans people to queer populations mm-hmm. to people of color to or people. to populations that are marginalized yeah in that's out huge there. right people are gonna read your website mm-hmm. and they're gonna go wow that this sounds like way more of a safe space because of that yeah because of that and that and that i think is actually also at the core of the issue of from the you know Outside of the human content, the purely business side is that we, as a massage therapist, we need to create a safe space for our clients, yeah, regardless of who they are, right? And so this is where the population that maybe we have less of a tool set to make a safe space, and I'm right. like, how can we do this? Yeah, you're, you're you're bringing out here are very helpful in terms of just baby steps to, to baby steps to help create the, a safe container. Definitely, yeah, it's like taking away your blind spots mm-hmm. little by little. Let's say we're trying our best to create uh, a safe container, mm-hmm. but inevitably we mess up. So what are some of the risks we run when we call someone by uh, a pronoun that they don't identify with? The risks for the therapist is creating an awkward situation that's going to make the session kind of harder. Mm-hmm. The risk for the the client if they if you call them by the wrong pronoun or if you mess up can be anything from being like slightly annoyed and hopefully being slightly annoyed but being able to kind of brush it off to you know on, on a spectrum to really traumatizing the person mm-hmm. really making them feel unrecognized and unrespected which, of course, is also going to lead to the session not going well. Yeah. It's also going to lead to the person probably not coming back. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, you know, I think that, that having the client return is pretty unlikely if you misgender someone. Yeah. Just to be realistic. I mean, it really does depend on the person, of course, but that's definitely something that I have thought about before as a client yeah. and as a trans person. Like if there if there isn't just that kind of like baseline of education and understanding that the practitioner has or that the therapist has, mm-hmm. then as a trans person, I don't feel like I'm really compatible with that person. Right. So. So what about the recovery? So let's say we yeah. we make a mistake. Right. And what's the best way we can recover from 
that mistake. Say we misgender someone and it becomes obvious that that was a mistake. Yeah. What's the, what's, what's the best thing we can do in that moment yeah. and in the moments that follow to really, right. to really repair that trust as much as possible? Yeah, just saying, oh, I'm so sorry. Do you have a, a pronoun preference? Or, oh, I'm so sorry. I should have asked. My name is Haley, and I prefer he and him. Do you have a pronoun preference? That would be like an amazing recovery. Okay. Yeah. And in that moment where there's been a, mis, uh, a misgender uh-huh. and then a, a quality recovery. Yeah, yeah, say, yeah. Do you feel like the, that, as you know, you can't speak for everyone, but would you feel comfortable going back to that practitioner if yeah. they recovered that way? I think so. I think that that would mean a lot to me as a client. Mm-hmm. And that would be enough providing I was still interested in that person's work Yes. outside of that. Yes. Like, you know, something that happens that quickly is not going to, is not going to prevent me. Um, but I'm not also, I'm not all that fragile or new in my process being trans. So my skin is a little thicker than some folks who maybe have just come out or just still kind of like really already struggling or fighting to be seen or recognized the way that they identify. Well, I think it's just important for massage therapists to know that all is not lost in that moment where the mistake is made. It's now right. not, it's not the travesty that cannot be undone. Yeah. So and, having yeah. that kind of like from the therapist's perspective, not being like defeated, defeated, not feeling defeated, but just always having the tools to be able to, as best as you can recover and to do what you can. And if it isn't enough, then you're definitely going to learn for next time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think also knowing that you can recover helps the anxiety of the moment so that right. it's not now just a catastrophe. Right, right, right. Trying to pick up the pieces. Yeah. And I think some of this anxiety is uh, something that I want to dive into a little bit more. Right? We have this worry that once we say something, all is lost. Is there some? Is there something that you can give massage therapists in terms of like, uh, a way for them to feel like it's not the end of the world. I think there's two sides to that. One is making sure that therapists are as supported as they can be to handle the general public, which includes a lot of folks, includes trans folks. Um, so part of it, I think, is really the therapist's responsibility if their intention is to create a safe space and be as inclusive as possible to know that really truly creating a safe and inclusive space is going to have obstacles. There are going to be like having kind of like a thick enough skin or the ability to bounce back when mistakes happen is the therapist's responsibility. Um, yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's the main thing is knowing that mistakes happen and being resilient. Let's say a, a cisgendered person comes into my practice, mm-hmm. but I don't know that they're cisgendered. In fact, right. for me, it's unclear. They could be somewhere in the spectrum. They could yeah. be non-conforming. Uh, there's a hesitation on my end because I, the, a worry that if I do offer something like, uh, hi, my name is Haley, I, um, I identify as he and him, or I prefer my, 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 gen, my pronoun preferences are he and him. Yeah. Oh, what are your pronoun preferences? Right. That all then suddenly th- it will come across as an assumption that they are not cisgendered. Right. And it will create a dysphoria for them yeah. around their around their gender identity. 
Is there anything in there that you can speak to as regards to like what would be uh, a way of recovering from that or at least framing it mentally so that it's not quite such a a worry that that's going to be the the outcome? So for you, I think, and for, for, you know, to set an example of what a cisgender person could do is just put something on your intake form that says, what is your gender identity? Leave it blank. That right there is demonstrating an initial kind of like questioning of like, okay, let me first recognize that having a male box and a female box is not really going to fit for everyone. Mm -hmm. The thing is like, the funny thing is that we have to really think about like how, what is necessary, what's really necessary for the session, how much of their gender identity is really applicable to what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. not that much. No, I think I think that it actually comes up fairly infrequently. Yeah. Uh, the the point is that without the the context or the skill set of knowing yeah. how to address the anxiety persists, right. and that actually gets in the way of our ability to fully comfort them, and provide and serve them. Yeah. So I think that's it's more of the opening the conversation and learning the resources. Yeah. And it sounds like the if if someone is not comfortable making a a verbal um, a verbal reach out, yeah. if you will, that having something on the intake form is also another way of of, of extending uh, the olive branch or or opening the door without right. necessarily um, being confronting about it. So if someone is worried about about offending a cisgendered person, uh, then they can just put it on their intake yeah. form and not have to worry too much about it. Yeah, I would do the intake form first, and then and then if it seemed like there was something, you know, more complex mm-hmm. or something that needed to be communicated about in order to do the session or to serve that person to the best of your ability, then then you would do like a verbal kind of check in. Yeah. So. So. You, know, you can't speak for everyone, right? But in your words, why is it important to refer to someone by their proper pronoun? It has to do. So the thing is, their pronoun is part of their identity, and there's something really powerful that happens when one kind of like questions or investigates their own identity, and it's just such a cool thing. I mean, anytime. Anytime someone comes forward with the way that they identify, especially when it's a very deep identity and they come forward with it and like are are authentic about it, are open about it, I just think that that is so powerful and needs to be respected. I think self-identification is sacred and it it requires respect. It deserves respect. Yeah. Well, I think respect comes to it it, it strikes home for me because mm-hmm. if if, uh, my name is Haley, and right. that's an uncommon name for a boy uh-huh. or a guy. Yeah, and uh, having people mispronounce or missay my name can be amusing in certain circumstances and annoying in other circumstances. And right. if someone just flat out refuses to learn my name, uh-huh. it, it it then to me becomes disrespect. Yeah, of course. And so with and it's interesting that we have. All these other ways in which we're allowed to choose identity. I am a dancer. I am a massage therapist. Right. I am uh, a friendly person. I identify as a guy named Haley. Right. Or I use my middle name. Right. All these things we can choose. And yet when it comes to gender, because of societal norms, cultural norms, we're, we're kind of boxed in here. Definitely. Yeah. 
And it, it it brings up my mind in my mind the 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 idea of Iceland, right? Where in Iceland right. they have a uh, a very strict set of names which you can choose people by, right? And and if you go outside of that, there is ostracization. There is uh, a sense of of going against the grain. It's not looked not looked upon well. And right. we look at it from our culture, and we look at it and we say that's crazy. Right, but that's just another form of identification, right? Choosing their identity and being restricted by yeah. your choice of identity seems very rigid. It is, <laughs> but it just shows that you know we, from different culture to different culture, we can have these expectations placed placed upon identity, and ultimately we're just one other, we're just a different lens to look at. It totally. So before I let you go, uh, do you have an answer for a question I didn't ask? Did something come up in this conversation? that you'd like to share. Yeah. I think what comes up for me is how, how as massage therapists, you're kind of taking on a big responsibility to, to take care for and create a container and safe space for other people and realizing kind of like what you've signed up for in a way, realizing how different people are, how diverse people's experiences are just for one example around like gender identity and, and identification, how people identify. So to me, I think it's just the message is really to make sure that people, massage therapists know, know what they've signed up for, know like the impact that their actions have and how, Mistakes, of course, will happen. Microaggressions will happen that are Mi- unintentional. Microaggressions? Yeah. Microaggressions, it's like a subconscious way that people are perpetuating an oppressive behavior on more marginalized people. Like, for instance, it, some would say that having an intake form that just says male or female with like check boxes as if that was it would be like a microaggression or um so microaggression could be very small unintentional could be very small exactly and probably likely unintentional yeah mm-hmm. without without knowing you know i think the the thing is as an ally to the trans community as an ally to any marginalized community it's important to do the the self reflective work and the educational work to kind of like undo the ways that we are already acting and behaving in a world that harms other people. So it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it sounds like a tall order. And it does, it is totally. Um, and of course there are, you know, like in this podcast, we taught, we touched on a few very like simple things that you can do verbally interacting, doing intake in that way, um, like formally doing intake on paper. But I think the, I guess the thing that I'm kind of like trying to express now is just how it's part of a much larger cultural influence. And as therapists, the, really as therapists, the tall order is really trying to have an inclusive and safe space for anyone that could walk through the door. That's a tall order. And and that is something that is not going to happen 
instantaneously. It's not going to happen with one podcast, but it's something that takes a long time, a lifetime, mm-hmm. really. But, but you know, we can, of course, do the best we can with educating and, and caring for the people who come to us for for healing and for body work. Yeah, I think it's important to know that they'll it'll never be perfect. Yeah, I mean, of there's course. so much unconscious bias that happens. We're primed for so many of these, what you call microaggressions. Yeah, uh, that that it's impossible to undo all of them. Right. But our job is to work at it. Yeah, that's and it. it. And at least, at least, at least, put in some effort, and that will will bias. Um, some slack and it'll also give us some confidence in working with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the whole thing is being an ally. And one of the descriptions that I really love about being an ally is that being an I think the the common misperception is that if you're not actively discriminating against another person, that that makes you an ally. But the that's not really true in my opinion the, what makes you an ally is that you are working at it it's a proactive thing it's a proactive thing to be a part of to be part of like a allyship hmm. so yeah it's like there's an example that um that i read about that kate boardstein said which is that if there is a street or you're on the street and someone is being a, attacked maybe like verbally attacked or someone's yelling something offensive to someone on the street, which happens, probably happening somewhere right now. Um, a true ally is someone who who actually steps up and says, leverages leveraging their privilege and says, like, hey, this is this is not right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, however way you want to say it, you stop the thing from happening rather than just walking by. Right. You know what I mean? It's not enough to be neutral. You have to be proactive. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. To be an ally. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Well, that was a, 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 a significant answer to, yeah. <laughs> to my question. Right. Um, so if people want to get in touch with you and get a hold of you and ask any questions they may have, uh, what's the best way for them to do so? So there's a couple. I'm online in a couple different places. Um, my website is Sparkle As You Are, which houses my massage therapy offerings and my offerings teaching yoga and then yogay.net is a is a retreat that i run for queer and trans folks and a yoga you, retreat and how do you spell yoga 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 plus y yoga plus so y o g a y um my instagram i'm on instagram pretty active on that it's sparkle as you are and i think that's it all right well Thank you so much for coming in. You're I, so welcome. I really appreciate this conversation. I feel like it was, it was, uh, it was very educational on my end. I know that I, awesome. I now feel more uh, equipped to 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 deal with a wider range of situations, and uh, hopefully, I won't be quite so anxious when Yay. I feel confronted next time yeah. with a situation like that. Yeah. Yay! Right. Good mission accomplished. Exactly. Thank you so much. You're, thank you. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and review it on iTunes. And if you have any questions that you had wished I had asked or topics you want me to cover in the future, please visit the website at www.howsthepressure.com 
where you can send me an email and hopefully I can include it. Until next time, be good and be well. Be well.